This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. What is the right way to end the opioid crisis that is killing so many Canadians? Toronto's Medical Officer of Health says we need to decriminalize the possession of all drugs for personal use. Authorities in Vancouver say the same thing. It's the approach that has been successful in Portugal. What do you think? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Well, emergency room physician, author, and broadcaster, Dr. Brian Goldman thinks it's a great idea, and we go to him now. Hi, Brian. How are you? I'm fine, Libby. How are you? I'm fine. So why is this a good idea? It's a good idea because in, instead of prosecuting, spending a lot of time and resources on prosecution, which hasn't worked, uh, and this is not just true for Canada, it's true for all Western nations, that a public health approach uh, works better. Uh, it means offering treatment and prevention options that are backed by clinical evidence. It also means engaging with those who commit criminal offenses in treatment during and following uh, incarceration. So it, it's not necessarily either or criminal or public health. You could do both. The idea here is to prevent relapse, prevent recidivism, get people into treatment faster. Uh, it includes distributing naloxone kits to prevent overdose deaths treating infectious diseases associated with drug use like HIV and hepatitis C and providing treatment uh, for associated mental health conditions, conditions that are associated with drug use. Okay, so a couple of things there. We already are distributing naloxone kits, but when it comes to treatment, hey, it's hard to get into treatment. There isn't enough treatment available the way we have things now. So how is just saying we're decriminalizing this going to make treatment easier to access because it's not that easy now. Well, Libby, you should be a health minister or maybe you'd get frustrated because you're absolutely right. I think saying it, if it's just lip service, then it's a non-starter. And it's, it, it, it'll take us right back to where we started from. I think what works is exactly what you're saying to a public health approach. And, and, and I think they're deliberate in their terms. They're not just saying a health approach, but a public health approach. That implies, in my opinion, an obligation on the governments, the appropriate governments, uh, municipal, federal, and provincial, to provide access to treatment services, to provide uh, drug testing, uh, naloxone kits, suboxone, and of course inpatient and outpatient uh, facilities, tr- uh, uh, drug rehab facilities uh, as, as needed. And you're right, it's woefully inadequate at the present time in this country. I mean, you know, we, every, every discussion we seem to have here involves we need more resources. We were just talking about asylum seekers. We need more resources one way or another, uh, or more money for that. We have 
hallway medicine. We have a whole list of things. Uh, in addition, the new one of the things I see here are uh, the so-called harm reduction. We have safe injection sites here. They're very controversial. And I think the provincial government, when it gets to it, is, is going to end that. How, how big a factor are those safe injection sites? Those safe injection sites, for those who are, you know, if, if your aim is to try and prevent overdose deaths from, from fentanyl, carfentanil, uh, and, and other uh, opioids, then, then uh, the, there's no question that safe injection sites uh, provide uh, monitoring of people, uh, who who are injecting so that if and when they do inject, if they take too much, they can be given naloxone before it's too late. The idea of safe injection sites as well means clean injections, you know, clean needles, so you're reducing the risk of hepatitis C transmission, which is another health issue, by the way. You know, treating you know treating the existing population uh, that's uh, hepatitis C positive will cost an arm and a leg, but I think it's a good thing to try and do, and there's evidence to show that that's beneficial. So safe injections sites, if your aim is to reduce the cost of the healthcare system and reduce morbidity and mortality, it's, 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 it's a good idea based on evidence. Give us a, a little bit of background on how uh, this worked in Portugal and why it worked in Portugal. So in the 19, it started in the 1980s. Heroin was introduced to the Algarve coast of, of Portugal. And at the peak of the crisis, one in 10 people who lived in southern Portugal in that region were heroin users. That's really an wow. unbelievable number. And, and the rate of HIV infections at the time was highest of all nations in the European Union. And in 2001, Portugal decriminalized the possession and use of all illicit substances. And so anybody who was caught with a personal supply was given a warning a small fine, and they also had to appear before a local commission. Now, this commission was not criminal. It was a commission that consisted of a physician, a social worker, and a lawyer, and and they were there to inform them about treatment, harm reduction, and support services. Immediately, the crisis stabilized, and since then, rates of problem drug use, overdose deaths, crime, incarceration, HIV, hepatitis C infections have plummeted. Now, um, was it all because of decriminalization? No. They had a major attitude change at the time. Instead of treating people who use drugs as misfits of society and, and you, know, you know, the kinds of nicknames we hear, junkies, druggies, they used to call them drogados. Well, instead, they started to call them people who use drugs, treated it as a disease. And I don't think decriminalizing works without that shift in the attitudes of people uh, in society. Okay, well, speaking of that, let's go to the phones. We've got Joan in Oshawa. Hello, Joan. Hi, Libby. How are you this morning? I mean, this afternoon. This afternoon, yes. Go ahead. Um, No, um, that should never happen. To uh, liberalize all drugs in, in, um, you know, in public, for public use. But one of the things that concerns me is the fact that that's going to possibly maybe more than possibly lead to break into people's homes if they break into uh, pharmacies and that, getting names of people who are on, um, you know, uh, the different medications like uh, the opioids, et cetera, um, and then using that information to uh, be able to fathom themselves into people's homes and, uh, you know, steal to get the drugs and stealing and uh, 
well, there could be death, uh, there could be, you know, other consequences and that. So, no, I am not for liberalizing the, um, the, uh, all the drugs at all. It's bad enough with the marijuana. I think we should just keep it to, to that. Oh, okay, Joan, I'll, I'm going to let Dr. Goldman uh, respond to that. Thanks, Joan. Hey, thanks, Joan. Uh, the, you know, the, the evidence is, that, and this is the fear, that it will lead to more drug taking and more crime. In fact, it seems to lead to the opposite uh, in the countries where, where harm reduction and decriminalization has been adopted. But I think the important thing is that, is that a lot of people hold uh, the opinion that Joan holds. And, and uh, you know, today the, the Board of Health is going to decide whether to, to echo the Medical Officer of Health's recommendation and send it to Ottawa. What Ottawa does with it, in any case, is their business. And I think they're going to take a pu- the pulse of the nation, and they may decide that, uh, that uh, legalizing marijuana is enough on their plate for now and that they don't want to expand that to include decriminalization at this time. That's just a guess. Okay, I'm going to give the numbers out again. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. I'm talking to Dr. Brian Goldman. We are talking about a public health approach to drug policy. The Medical Officer of Health of Toronto thinks that all drugs used for personal use should be decriminalized. There is an example in Portugal where that went uh, quite a distance to reduce an epidemic of drug addiction. Uh, you know, from the explanation of what happened in Portugal, I, I don't really see how it turned, but the numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. It's kind of hard for me to understand how getting somebody who is addicted and telling them about their options for treatment would turn the whole thing around, Brian. Well, the interesting thing is that if you criminalize them, where do they end up? They end up in jail. They end up in prison. And when they're in prison, then they're going to become, then the the rates of recidivism are much lower. So it's, uh, uh, you know, I, I think that, that, you know, some of the things that they did were simply reducing the risk of all the other, you know, that it would get worse by, by keeping them out of prison. The second thing that they did was they, they reduced the risk of all the other health problems, the mental health problems and HIV, hepatitis C that, were, that go with hard drug use. And, and uh, they used a completely different attitude. It was an attitude that invited people to quit, uh, to, to enter recovery and reduce the kind of shaming that, that doesn't seem to work. I mean, it's satisfying to shame people into, in, into, into trying to enter recovery, but, but they have enough shame. And, and it, it's, it's just a case of, like, you know, Libby, it's, it's, it's remember the Einstein's definition of insanity, doing right. the same thing every day and expecting a different result. It just has, the criminal approach, criminalization approach just hasn't worked. Okay, uh, let's go back to the phones. We've got Joe in Toronto. Hi, Joe. Hi, how are you? Fine. And you have a personal story involving Portugal? Yes, uh, my cousin, my first cousin, he was actually a drug, a drug addict. And, um, I mean, you know, they would arrest him and the parents. I mean, you know, you know with our culture, it was very, you know, very shameful that you kept getting arrested. And you're when Portuguese? Kicked, sorry? You're Portuguese? Yes, I am, yes. Yeah, okay, go ahead. And so what happened was, is once the system kicked in and they stopped arresting him, you know, he did get the help he needed, and which was great help. You know what? Today he's not a he's not a drug addict. He actually got married. He's got a beautiful kid. You know, he actually did very very well. Not a, that's only one story, but there's a lot of people. You know, friends of his that he was also. You know, not all of them got cured, but 
there was no more of these arrests. And, 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 and the beauty about all of this also is that the police, like there was a lady comedy, oh, what's going to happen, robberies. Listen, today our, our officers who are so busy with all of these things, and we want to hire more and everything, if we left this, you know, go after the big guys, if anything, go after the guys who has the million dollars to bring it in, not the poor soul who's got the problem. The other thing is they left the police, you know, uh, with more time on their hands to do other stuff, stuff that they should be helping us with. But these poor souls, you know, it's not their fault. You know, they got into it. And and the funny part about North America is someone who takes a painkiller, oh, it's it's not a drug. I know people here <laughs> within my own family who are older people who take painkillers for everything, but that's not a drug. But marijuana is a drug. It's like, oh, please, people. I think in North America we need to be a little bit more educated. What is a drug? Alcohol is a drug. Everything <laughs> happens to be one. But taking the approach that Portugal did, I know from my own personal experience, my cousin got saved. And if you save one, that is a great thing. And I'm sure he's not the only one who did. And the country is safer. And there's no muggings, like people are saying, though. You know, you, you can walk on the streets. Uh, people are not breaking into your homes anymore. It, 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 because it's all controlled. And, and it's not putting these poor souls in jail and then bringing them out. And they're back doing it again. There's no treatment. In Canada, you arrest them. What happens when they come out? They go look for their next fix. And they're back at it again. I think your show is beautiful. I think what you guys are doing is great. And I just wish everybody would listen to you, understand where you're coming from, and actually help the government make a nice change to help these beautiful souls. Okay, That's Joe, you know, I, I really appreciate your sharing your personal story. Thank you very much for that. We appreciate your calling in. Thank you so much for bringing it up. Okay. Into, the, into us. Thank uh, you. Okay. Let's go to... Carol in Toronto. Hi, Carol. Uh, hi, Libby. Uh, thanks so much for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, I have just one question. I know that this gentleman was talking about Portugal. I'm not familiar with what's going on in Portugal uh, regarding um, it legalizing all of drugs. But my concern is that Portugal is one country, and there are the problem of uh, opioids is all over the place and I can't believe that it's not being tried in other countries or other states I know for example that for example San Francisco is a sanctuary city I believe and the are they are hand they have safe and drug injection sites they are handing out millions and millions of needles all over the place they have a whole crew of people sweeping up needles all over the place and the streets are lined with homeless people who are so drugged that they're breaking into cars they're living in cars the tents are everywhere they're sleeping in the subways and uh the city is turning into a giant sewer of poop and so what I can't understand is, yes, Portugal may have a, been a glowing example of how it's worked, but there are other locations around there, and before any decisions are made, I think it would be worthwhile to investigate where else it's worked. Okay. Carol, thanks for that. I'm going to let uh, Dr. Goldman respond. Brian? Uh, there have been, uh, I, I think that, that Portugal is the, is the oldest 
uh, example, but there are other nations that are certainly looking uh, at the uh, the model uh, uh, in Portugal, in uh, particularly in the European Union. Um, the United States has not decriminalized. Uh, and and I doubt they would. And and it and and you know it's a complicated situation in a place like like San Francisco. Uh, the extent to which criminalization has led to the situation that exists there, though, I think is is a point that's worth that that that's worth mentioning. It's entirely possible that that that's the major factor. It would not be the only factor, but but it would probably be uh, an important factor in the uh, the the prevalence of drug use in in that particular city and in other parts of the United States. Okay, uh, we have. To wrap things up here, Dr. Brian Goldman, thank you so much for that. You're welcome. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.